RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. We have reached the week, and we're counting down to the game, the biggest game, the biggest football game, and arguably the biggest game played in this country every year is Super Bowl, and Super Bowl 53 is coming, and we're here to talk all about that and much more. I am your somewhat lucid host, anxious for Sunday. He is senior handicapper and writer for VegasInsider.com, Mr. Kevin Rogers. How are you feeling here as we head towards Super Bowl Sunday? I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it being over. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I think we should be truthful on these things. You know, it, it comes down to it every year, and, you know, people get excited about it. I mean, every year I don't really have a team in it necessarily, but it's still, regardless of it, it could have been the Saints and the Chiefs. It doesn't matter who it could have been. I don't care if the Patriots are there. It, it doesn't matter who it is. It's just, you know, what we do – you know, or what I do at least, you know, on a daily basis, there's new games every day. It's something to look forward to. To, to handicap the same game for two weeks gets a little mundane after a while. You would rather it be a shorter time frame. I mean, the NFL has mostly gone with two weeks. Some years it's been a week. You just think it's too long in between, especially in a day and age when we instantaneously are talking about everything all the time every day, right? Yeah, and I understand why it's two weeks. I get that they need to have the extra week off. And they have this week to get everything kind of, you know, I get it. Like, I understand why. Like, I don't think they should have the one week off, but it's just kind of like, you know, two weeks to talk about the same game, you know, and it's, you know, it's not just a game, it's festivities, it's all this other stuff, you know, what what they've turned into, a big spectacle, so... You know, but that's just me. You know, I know people are going to be excited about it. I'm not going to tell them not to be excited. I don't do that. But from my own opinion, though, it's kind of like saying, like, well, I don't like soccer. I'm not telling you not to like soccer. I just don't like watching it. You know, it's the same thing. Like, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. Like, I'm not going to not watch it, but... Like, let's just get to the game already. Uh, I can understand where it's gone on and on and all the talk and all the discussion, and you and I are taping midweek. I can only imagine, as it is every year, by the time we get to Friday, what else can be said? Saturday, for sure. What else can be said? The the monstrosity of a pregame show that will be on CBS, it's the same thing. They're going to play all these different interviews and give all of these different segments of analysis and storylines, and we will have already talked about them and hashed them for so long by Sunday and in in pregame time. I agree. It will be, let's just get to the game and play the game. So, uh, yeah, so you've kind of you've begun things on a little bit of a downer, but that's okay because we're going to have fun for a lot of different reasons on this show. One of them is we've got to talk about Radio Row experiences, and I've got to defend the honor uh, of my co-host here, the uh, senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com, does a lot of different things in the South Florida media market. You suddenly became a topic on a national radio TV simulcast uh, from colleague Dan Lebetard on uh, Wednesday midweek. So we got to talk about that as it relates to Radio Row and that stuff in a few minutes. We will make some predictions in and around the Super Bowl and including prop bets, which will be fun. We've done that every year and have fun with that, including crossover sports. So we'll have fun with the crossover sports 
uh, and the different prop bets. So we'll have fun with that on Three Dog Thursday, and then we'll find out if either one of us uh, are going to be predicting the game. And then in the uh, final stages of the show, in our final segment of the show, college basketball on the brain, uh, we will talk a lot about the games that are coming up on Thursday, like at least a couple of them that you and I have, and then a, a game or two from Saturday leading towards uh, the weekend as well, so some college hoops. By the way, congratulations to Kevin. You had the UAB Blazers last week with an outright win at North Texas on Three Dog Thursday. I had Arizona State with an outright win at UCLA, so we went two for two on the third. Thursday games. I did not hit on Kansas, who ended up being a six and a half point underdog at Kentucky. I thought that Kansas might be able to win the game. I didn't have the line in front of me, and this will be the case whenever we're doing uh, predicting on Saturday games. We won't have the lines on Three Dog Thursday, but I ended up getting six and a half points, Kevin, and I thought for a while there that was going to be a nip and tuck game. Maybe Kansas would win. As it turns out, Kentucky was much better. Uh, in the in the final few minutes of the game, stretch the lead out, cover the line. Hey, give me a quick comment on Kentucky, which seems to be rounding into form. They win that game with Kansas. At the time we're taping here, they destroyed Vanderbilt in Nashville. I know they're playing in our state in Gainesville against the Gators on Saturday, but Kentucky is looking like a contender right now. Calipari's team is coming on strong, yes? Oh, absolutely. You know, they had that one loss to Alabama to start off SEC play. They got blown out at the beginning of the season by Duke. And, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, well, here we go. And it's, well, it's one game early on in the season. You know, and Kentucky's really gotten it together, and that's what Calipari does. And he's got all these freshmen, and Kentucky will be there in the end, like they always are. And he doesn't necessarily have the superstar. He doesn't have the Anthony Davis. He doesn't have the John Wall uh, in the present day, a couple of the other guys uh, that he's had along the way, like Carl Anthony Towns, that was part of that undefeated team that ended up getting upended by Wisconsin in the Final Four. So he doesn't he doesn't have the guaranteed number one overall pick. Let's put it that way on this team. But let's see if they continue to round into form and more college basketball. Uh, later on in the podcast. All right, so we get to this Super Bowl. We're going to have fun with uh, several different aspects of it. Uh, New England Patriots in it for the third consecutive year. That's only the second time that's happened. Remember, the Buffalo Bills went to four straight Super Bowls and lost all of them. The L.A. Rams. All right, here's a fun one, Kevin Rogers. The last time the L.A. Rams were in the Super Bowl. Yes, the St. Louis Rams were there. Uh, very famously, Brady beat the St. Louis Rams and Kurt Warner for the first Super Bowl victory of his career uh, back in, in 2001 season, the 2002 Super Bowl. The last time the L.A. Rams were in the Super Bowl, do you have a clue who quarterbacked the Rams, who piloted the Rams against Terry Bradshaw and the Steel Curtain defense? Do you remember going all the way back to 1970? Very nice. That is why he is Kevin Rogers, ladies and gentlemen, the elite the best know the names like Vince Ferragamo. I thought you might go Dieter Brock. Remember that name too? He played in and around those, or Pat Hayden played in and around those Rams teams in the 70s. But the Vince Ferragamo was the quarterback the last time the LA Rams were in the Super Bowl and they lost to the Steelers. Now it is Jared Goff. Uh, again, Goff has never played in this big game. Brady has been there eight previous times. All right, let's dig in on that for a moment. How big of an advantage? Is that how big a disadvantage for the Rams that golf has not been there? I, I don't think it's that big of a disadvantage. I mean, Nick Foles played in it last year, and he had 400-something yards and won the MVP. So I think it's all overrated. I really do. Look at Tom Brady the first time he went. You know, he faced Kurt Warner, who was the MVP of the league and threw for all those yards, and yet uh, the Rams couldn't do anything with, uh, you know, with Kurt Warner at quarterback. So 
I think all that stuff just is overrated simply because the Rams are a 13 and three team. You know, if the Patriots win this thing, Brady, Belichick, all this other stuff, the Rams were a nine and seven team. And I'd say, okay, well, the, the Patriots are clearly better than them, but the Rams have the better regular season record. You know, and I know both these teams won on the road in their, in their championship games, but, you know, you could have made an argument both teams could have lost, you know. So it's not like anyone looked so great last week necessarily, or two weeks ago necessarily or whatever it was. But, uh, I mean, say the same thing with Sean McVay. You know, Sean McVay, 32 years old. Is he gonna, like, he's ready, you know. I mean, they're not going to lose because they're, you know, they're going to get outcoached. I don't think that's going to be the case. They just think they'll be out-executed, you know. And I know you could say it goes back to coaching, maybe, but. You know, even Tom Brady, he's had, you know, he's had his flubs before the Super Bowl, or at least times. The first half against Atlanta, he wasn't great. They've always struggled in the first quarter. So, like, I'm, I'm not ready to, to say that just yet, that Brady's going to overwhelm Jared Goff just because. Yeah, and you mentioned Foles last year against the Patriots. How about Russell Wilson uh, as well in his first Super Bowl playing against Peyton Manning back five, six years ago. Manning had had played and won in the Super Bowl for the Colts. Had also played and lost against the Saints in the Super Bowl a couple of times. But uh, Russell Wilson didn't miss miss a beat. Yes, Seattle's defense was fantastic, harassing Manning throughout the game. Uh, They got the big kickoff return to start the second half. They just blew him away in that game. So you can't just rubber stamp it. I just, I'm almost like I have have to see it to believe it here that Jared Goff is going to be good if not great in this game uh, because a lot of what he did against the Saints was kind of dink and dunk and underneath throws and I don't know that he's going to be able to get away with that against New England let's see if he can throw the ball down the field some let's see if he will have to throw the ball uh, down the field some to succeed in this game Uh, you were mentioning a fantastic stat and attention grabber you already just mentioned it the New England Patriots under Brady and Belichick for eight previous Super Bowls, have not scored a first-quarter touchdown in any of them. Kevin, that's remarkable, and they've gone on to win five of those despite not scoring a touchdown in the first quarter. What's your theory as to why they've had so many problems? Uh, I mean, for example, AFC Championship game at Kansas City, no problem. They take the opening kickoff, march right down the field, get a touchdown. Why has it eluded them? What's your theory for eight occasions in the Super Bowl, the Patriots, Brady and Belichick in the first quarter? I don't know if it's just being conservative or or what necessarily. And, I mean, look, I can't tell you right now at the top of my head, you know, in all these, these first quarters what, uh, you know, what actually, you know, the drives they had or, or what have you. But it's just a, it's a quirky stat. It's just very quirky. Well, and they've, they've made field goals. It's not as if they've been shut out in all of them. They just haven't resulted in touchdowns. So let's see if that one changes uh, coming up for this game on, uh, on Sunday. All right, so again, Patriots and Rams. We'll get into some analysis and some fun. All right, as I mentioned, as I alluded to, uh, you you got some national recognition besides this show because again this show is heard everywhere and we thank the audience for being with us by the tens of thousands every week you are with us on this podcast uh, Kevin and, and uh, his guys at VegasInsider.com do a great job promoting RadioInfluence.com we remind you to subscribe at iTunes Stitcher Google Play to find Three Dog Thursday as well so wherever you found the show and however you're finding it thank you because you've continued to do so by the tens of thousands 
thousands uh, every week that listen to us. So they're hearing us everywhere. But the Dan Lebitard radio and TV show that's on ESPN Radio started talking about Radio Row and the Super Bowl. And for the fans that don't know exactly what that is, uh, this has now gone on for the better part of 25 years where radio stations come to the Super Bowl all week from all over the country, broadcast, do interviews, etc. You and I have both experienced it. So Lebitard was in the process of making fun of one of his own crew members, one of the own uh, producers, reporters, whatever, who was hooked up at the Super Bowl in Atlanta while Lebitard's doing his show in South Florida and saying, this person is lonely, this person has uh, not got any guests, and then they suddenly start bringing up audio clips of my of my man Kevin Rogers being at the Super Bowl trying to get a guest, and they brought you up, and they even did a shout out to to K Rod, your nickname uh, as well, having been at the Super Bowl. So you and I have been at Radio Row. Uh, they played a clip of you trying to get Ray Lewis to come over and sit by you uh, at the Super Bowl. Just describe what was going on because in that instance, you're there among a bunch of other radio stations. You're trying to get guests, and uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world to just do live radio on the air and then still at the same time get somebody to sit down with you. Well, yes, to describe it even even further, this was in Detroit. This was the Seahawks-Steelers Super Bowl for the 2005 season, so I guess in 2006, so 13 years ago. Uh, this happened, and I actually had been on Radio Row the year before when I worked at my station in Kansas City, and uh, we were in Jacksonville for the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl, the T.O. Super Bowl, Right. and I was on there at night, and I had learned that firsthand that basically if you're a midday show or a an afternoon drive show, that's when a lot of the people are there. It's packed. That's when the guests walk by. You, you know, it, it's really a busy scene. Once it hits six seven o'clock it empties out <laughs> radio row and, and by and, and by emptied out think like the old westerns and tumbleweed going across the desert emptied out right kevin it is absolutely it, it's empty. like somebody pulled the fire alarm it really is <laughs> i mean they get out of there so fast and the and the irony is and i'll tell you this before i continue the story the irony is the year before in jacksonville that first year i had not met dan yet because i was still in kansas city but the Chiefs were thinking about getting Patrick Sertan from the Dolphins. I actually asked Dan's producer if I could talk to Dan and interview him, and he came on with me for like five minutes at like 7 o'clock at night. So he was still hanging out there because he was doing his afternoon show on 790 The Ticket uh, in Miami. So like there, I think Dan forgot about that. But he actually came on with me at 7 o'clock, but he, regardless. He filled the guest role in that instance for you at Radio Row when you were searching. All right, continue on with the story. Yes. Yes. So the next year in Detroit, when I was with 790 and I was uh, doing the show there, I don't even know why I was sent there, to be honest with you, but uh, I'm sitting there and it's totally empty and you're just doing this. You're basically like your own studio because like nobody's going to disturb you. You're like one security guard hanging out there (laughs) and you're just there and Ray Lewis inexplicably walks by and Lincoln Kennedy, the former... uh, what position he was Raiders like, offensive eight, lineman, three. right? He's on their yeah. radio broadcast now, and I did a lot of radio work with Lincoln Kennedy in my Fox Sports radio days. Yes, big Lincoln. Right. He was walking he's like by. Six, eight, three, eight. He's like, he's a monster. Okay. <laughs> he's huge. Right. And he was just walking by, and I just start, I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'm on the air. I don't really care. I'm just going to start talking to him. You know, I'm just going to just start doing this. I don't, and then, you know, he responded back to me. Uh, you know, the FHM party is one of the, they have all these parties during the week, like the Maxim, I mean, back then, like the Maxim party, right, the FHM right. party and this and that, you know, so I was just joking in a sense with him 
but basically the whole point of the conversation was how lonely it is. At past seven o'clock, no one's there. So you can't get any guests because no one's walking around. They're all going out to dinner at of steakhouses or whatever. They're going out to parties. So it's like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, why am I, what's the point of me being here if no one's here? So that was kind of what it was. It was all in good fun, and it's and it's funny that they still brought that up after all these years. You are but, still uh, a Miami yeah. radio legend for the audience that's hearing us all over the country. So Dan Levitard's show brought it up, and there's clips of it on the Internet. So I'm just defending your honor here that, look, you're there without a producer. You're there without guests. And, again, a lot of these different guests are there promoting products, from candy bars to, like, suntan sunscreen to Nutrisystem. I saw Dan Marino doing that again. Uh, they, they, they promote direct TV. They promote this, that, all the sponsors, but all of that is over with by about four or five o'clock local time in the afternoon. So if you're there way before, like in watching the shows this week as we roll along here, you can see that there are different morning shows. Like I, I have a colleague of mine, I'll give a shout out uh, to Al Dukes, who used to work with me in Tampa. And Al is the executive producer of the Boomer Esiason uh, morning show on WFAN, and it's also simulcast on CBS Sports Network. So Boomer and Geo, Geo is his radio partner kind of his foil they go back and forth boomer and geo sit on their show starting at 6 a.m from radio row and super bowl and and in atlanta and there is no one there again it is as if the plague has hit and they are the only two that are sitting there on live tv uh and the same thing is with some other shows uh that are sitting there and i can relate the same thing while i defend your honor so after the buccaneers super bowl win in san diego which again we're talking pacific time zone they win in San Diego over the Raiders. The next morning, I'm the five-day-a-week morning show host in Tampa, where I'm based and where we host Three Dog Thursday out of. Uh, Kevin, again, is in South Florida in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. So uh, I, am, I am the morning guy, and as it turns out, I'm going to do the morning show on the Monday after the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl 37 win by the Bucks. We get a security guard to let us in. I'm there with the engineer for the equipment. We're, we're, we're broadcasting from quote-unquote Radio Row, where, Kevin, if you thought it was a ghost town for the ones that you were working in Detroit or in Jacksonville, no one had been on Radio Row on Sunday, much less are they there on Monday morning at 3 a.m. Pacific time, 6 a.m. Eastern time, as I'm doing the live morning show recapping Super Bowl 37. No guests, nobody. I have the whole San Diego Convention Center to myself all morning long. No one was there the entire morning. I'm the only show there. And in fact, there were a couple of people that were walking around like custodians that were looking to take the tables up, take everything down. And we're going, no, no, wait a minute. We got to be here for another uh, 30 minutes or an hour here to finish the show before you can tear all this down. So what I'm saying to you is I can identify with you. I sat at Radio Row in San Diego in a barren, empty, deserted convention center and did a Radio Row post-game Super Bowl show for Bucks and Raiders. So you and I have something alike, my friend, in that regard. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's a great experience to go, but then once you've gone a few times, and I know it sounds bad for the audience, like it's like having champagne. I'm tired of champagne and caviar, you know. But <laughs> but that's kind of what you go a few times. You're like, okay, I'm I'm like over this. Like, well, you know, and think about this, it. Think you know? about it in this respect for the jobs that people do. All right, if you go to a big event 
for your company and you've been to that big event and maybe you're even having to work at that big event and a lot of people can relate to this Kevin exactly what you're talking about and you go do it the first time and it's kind of cool because it's the big event and maybe you even traveled to where that event was but you're having to work you're having to shake hands uh, you're busy you're on your feet the whole time it's not like you're relaxing and you're there for you know let's say five hours seven hours okay so you did it once now you go and do it the second time maybe in another city and you do it again this is kind of like Radio Row with the Super Bowl at that point, after doing it the second time, exactly what you're saying, you're not looking forward to it anymore for the third year or the fourth year because the newness has worn off, the, the sameness has set in. Again, for the audience that's there, when you're watching these shows, when you're hearing them on the radio and seeing them, it's a lot of the same guests. Like suddenly, Joe Montana is sitting there and he's doing this local radio show and then he's doing this show on ESPN TV and he's doing this show on the NFL Network and the questions are the same and the interviews are the same. There's a lot of sameness. So we're not knocking the fact that it's a great spectacle but I totally agree with you that after you've done it for the third time, the fifth time, it's not the same as when you went and did it the first time and the, and the talk to a lot of the same people that are in and around uh, on Radio Row for the same guests. The only thing that changes is the location and the teams that are playing. And so that's fun to cover and talk about the different storylines. Like, I, I wonder, as we bring this back to the football, Kevin, uh, we're not there, but I wonder how much Los Angeles is into this. Uh, L.A. again has got Hollywood. LeBron has come to the Lakers. Is he making a comeback? And again, the Lakers are playing the Warriors on Saturday night at the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday. We don't know for sure. Is LeBron going to try to come back and play in that game? You've got the Dodgers season starting up. They've been in the World Series uh, a couple of times recently without being able uh, to win it. So uh, you've got everything in that market from, from Hollywood to rock and roll to sports. I wonder how much L.A. is into this game when the game is also in Atlanta across the country. But that's that's kind of the intrigue for this game. How much does L.A. care? They're going to wear the old school Vince Ferragamo, uh, Jack Youngblood, uh, old school Rams uniforms in this game. But I, I wonder how much L.A. really cares right now, how much they're going to embrace this game. I don't know that answer. I think they will. I mean, why not? You know, it's their, what, their second year? Uh, second or third? Was it no, third, third year? year out third there. total it's, year, yeah, correct. Sure came there with the first year. Okay, correct. so the third year they're, they're there. I mean, I still see that. They still... You know what it is? They still are going to the Super Bowl first time in, you know, 1979 or whatever it was when they were still in L.A. And you know what? I know it's a silly thing. Red Sox beat the Dodgers in the World Series. Now they got the shot again against Boston in a sense in the Super Bowl. I, I think that uh, I think people will be fired up. You know, it, it's it's a big time town. I think that they'll be they'll be excited about it. Well, and everybody watches it. I'm not saying they're not going to watch. I just wonder if it's going to engulf the town over the next couple of days leading up to the game or not. We definitely know that in New England. I mean, you saw the scene in Foxborough, the send off for the Patriots at Gillette Stadium that had. Uh, an estimated 50,000 fans there to send them off, to head them off to Atlanta for the third straight Super Bowl and the fourth one in the last five years. So it's not old in New England, and they've won all the time, so it, it makes it easier to root for them. So uh, we'll see in that regard. All right, so let's get into uh, some of the fun for this game and then find out if either one of us are going to take the Rams as the underdog. A couple more facts and figures in and around uh, the point spread for this game in a moment or two. I love the proposition 
bets, especially across sports. I mean, you could bet on anything on this game, like who's going to get the first first down, uh, who's going to win the coin toss, on and on. But I like it when we go across sports with proposition bets uh, here. And we've done this before on Three Dog Thursday on the show. So give me one that has caught your eye, Kevin Rogers. Uh, it's something to do with an individual player or a team, their total, and then something to do with another sport as well and why. Go ahead. Well, the only one I like is uh, with James Harden of the of the Houston Rockets that they're playing the Jazz coming up this weekend, and the prop is Rams minus two in the fir- first half points. Rams minus two against James Harden made free throws. All right, now everyone would think that James Harden would destroy that because of all the scoring he's been doing over the last few weeks. But in all honesty, I think that that he will not bypass this. I think that the Rams will end up being the play in this one. I'll tell you why. All right. Because in two of the three meetings that the Rockets have faced the Jazz, James Harden has had three free throws made and six free throws made. Interesting. And in the two games since the Rockets have gotten Chris Paul back in the lineup, he's made eight free throws and nine free throws. And he was making 15, 17, 20 in a lot of the games without Chris Paul. He was doing it all by himself. Now that Chris Paul is back, those numbers have, have dipped down a little bit. So I think that the Rams, you know, if they score 14 points even in the first half, which is not crazy, I think that even if James Harden has 12 free throws or 11 free throws in this case, then I think that the Rams, I think that I get that that uh, bet and I win that. And so, the again, the prop is not attempts. It's how many he's going to make, right, because those are different right. things. Yeah. It's how many he's going to make in the game. And the Rams had 10 points at halftime of the NFC Championship game as a reference point uh, for what it's worth. So that's an interesting one involving the NBA game on Saturday. I'll take a college basketball game on Saturday and combine that against Tom Brady. In this case, uh, the Duke Blue Devils are hosting St. John's in a match up on Saturday. Duke, obviously one of the top teams in the country. St. John's is better this year. Uh, Chris Mullins' team, Shamori Pons, is a is an NBA caliber player, but of course Duke has uh, Zion Williamson and that whole load of freshmen, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish. They're one of the best teams in college basketball. They're playing at home. So the prop is Zion Williamson's uh, points and rebounds combined for the entire game, not just the half, the entire game versus Tom Brady's completions. And so in this case, uh, Zion Williamson at uh, 22 points per game, nine rebounds per contest, is averaging right at a combined 31 points and rebounds per game. Will Tom Brady have 31 or more completions in the game? I'm going to go yes on this. Uh, He lit it up. I think he had 35 completions, I believe, in the AFC Championship game. I'll double-check that. I think he goes over 31 completions in this game. And I don't know that Zion Williamson will get to his normal average of 22 points and nine rebounds in this Duke game. Uh, They may be coasting in the second half with St. John's at home. Give me Brady's completions here in the game. Do you you agree with me that Brady's going to chuck, chuck, chuck and throw a bunch and complete a bunch throughout this game and will have 30-plus completions? What do you think? I mean, I think he can just from the standpoint of he throws so many short passes that uh, that could be the case. I mean, people will also say that, well, if they're behind, he's going to throw the ball a lot more. But, you know, look how many times he threw the ball, you know, when they were going back and forth against the Chiefs. So 
I don't see why not, just because I, I know that they have so many short crossing patterns and bubble screens sure. that he could get to that pretty easily. They do. They throw it more uh, more so like run plays on short uh, passes and short situations to get short gains, and they will do a bunch of them, especially if they get behind in this game. They will go to the short pass attack over and over and over again. So let's see if that's the case. One more prop that intrigues me, and you know that I love golf, uh, and, and there were some interesting props here, like the number of bogeys for Phil Mickelson if he makes the cut in uh, in the Waste Management Open in Scottsdale, Arizona, the uh, the PGA Tour event. Phil's bogeys versus, I think it's Josh Reynolds' catches for the L.A. Rams. I didn't, I didn't like that one. The one that stuck out to me uh, was another prop for a golfer against a Ram. I like Brooks Kepka, the two, two-time U.S. Open golf champion the last two years. Uh, Kepka is playing in the European Tour event. Kevin, uh, you keep up with everything, but somehow I don't think you keep up with the European Tour golf schedule. Would that be accurate? You probably don't keep up with that one. It, it, it's a, it's extreme. That's the biggest lock of the year. Uh, I don't keep up with that. You don't keep up with the European golf, but in this case, Dustin Johnson playing in the event. Justin Rose, who won the PGA Tour event in San Diego last week at Torrey Pines, uh, the Farmers Insurance Open. He's playing in this event in Saudi Arabia. So is Brooks Kepka. So it's Kepka's birdies which in, a, in an 18-hole event, he could make six, eight birdies, something like that, especially in the final round. So this is his birdies in the final round, the fourth round on Sunday morning U.S. time versus Brandon Cook's catches in the game. And Cook's is a guy that didn't have a lot of catches in the NFC Championship game, only a couple of them. I, th- I think this is Kepka making more birdies in the final round in Saudi Arabia in the European Golf Tour event. It'll be on the Golf Channel. Give me Kepka. As the guy that'll make like six, seven, eight birdies, and that'll be more than Brandon Cooks catches in the game. So I love those crossover sports. We'll go with the prop bets. We'll go over those again one more time. Let's get to the game itself. Very interesting for the line we mentioned last week that it briefly opened with the Rams, uh, Kevin, for Three Dog Thursday purposes, opening as the favorite. But in about 10 minutes, the big time betters in Vegas uh, plowed in on the New England Patriots with a bunch of money. And so that moved the line a point and a half, two points right away to the Patriots being a favorite. At the time we're talking right now, they are a two point favorite. It may go up or down, but they're a two point favorite. Interesting that the Rams have not, uh, the uh, I'm sorry, the Patriots have not been very good as a favorite. Six previous times they've been a favorite, Kevin Rogers. I'll pop quiz you. Six previous times, Belichick and Brady, a favorite with New England in the 2000s here. What's their record as the favorite against the spread? Do you have a guess on six attempts? In, su- in Super Bowls? In Super Bowls, correct. Well, I, I'll tell you, I know they lost to the Giants outright twice. Yep, yep. They lost to the Eagles in yep. three. You got they it. They covered against Atlanta. There's one and That's three. That's the one. We, we throw out the Patriots. Seahawks was a pick em, So, I mean, kind of throw that one out, I guess. And I know There's they didn't cover others. against the Eagles. They That's, didn't cover against the Panthers. Yep. So, uh, it's one and five. That's exactly right. Yep. Only the one is the is the overtime touchdown. I mean, that was a game where they were favored and they were behind 28-3, to obviously, against Atlanta. The great comeback and the overtime touchdown covered the line for them. That's the only time they covered as the favorite. So 1-5 all-time as the favorite. They have two wins as the underdog, one of them against the St. Louis Rams in Brady's first Super Bowl. And, uh, and the other one was uh, that, that would have been that Seattle game where they were a one-point favorite in some uh, Seahawks were in, in some sports books. So how about that, though? You would think New England would be better than that as a favorite, but it's only one in five. 
five. That might bode well for the Rams. And I have one more number that in the last seven Super Bowls, do you know how many times the underdog team has won the game outright? Not only covered, but won the game outright. Take a guess on seven Super Bowls. The last seven Super Bowls, how many times has the underdog won the game outright? You have a guess? I think it's like five. It is five. You're correct. Five times. So... What does that mean for the Rams here? And the, the real question is, Kevin Rogers, senior handicap for VegasInsider.com, are you going to jump on board with the Rams here, going against the Patriots and that 1-5 number is the favorite and the, and the underdog's doing so well recently? Do you like the Rams here? I do, you know, and I think for a couple reasons. You know, one, everyone, everyone still is under the impression the Rams don't belong here because of that pass interference that wasn't called, which I think is is wrong as far as like they don't belong. They're a thirteen and three team. Greg Zerline still had to kick a fifty seven yard field goal in overtime. Drew Brees still got intercepted on the first possession of overtime. The Rams belong there. And the Patriots, they belong there too. You know, they beat the Chiefs and, you know, even though they blew that game and it could have gone either way in the AFC championship. But still, the fact of the matter is the Patriots this year lost five times outright as a as a favorite away from Gillette Stadium five times and all five of those losses came to non-playoff teams so this isn't exactly you know the Patriots everyone talks about how great they are and they're they, you know they're great they have Brady they have Gronkowski they have Belichick but at the same time it's a team that didn't face a playoff team in the final eight weeks of the season and they did beat the Chargers they did beat the Chiefs yep. two very good teams in the playoffs but you know the Rams still had a, a more complete season I think and this is the second time they'll be an underdog this year. The Patriots, they were an underdog against Kansas City. They should have been an underdog. They should be favored here. Just, you know, and, but all the perception, you know, w- with all the money on them, I got to take the points with the Rams. All right, so you will go uh, with that trend against New England as the favorite. And, and look, as you mentioned, the Rams were only an underdog one time all year. That was the last game in the NFC Championship game when they were a narrow underdog. And um, you had the Rams and I had the Patriots for three-dog Thursday, and both underdogs came through. Now we'll see what happens when they go head-to-head uh, in this one. Uh, another interesting number here, New England Average margin of victory, win or lose, in the previous eight Super Bowls is 4.4 points. So a one-score game is in order here. I, I, I believe it is going to be a one-score game. You believe the Rams essentially will win this game. Do you believe high-scoring shootout, they outscore them something like 30s or something like that? I think it probably end up in the 20s. I, I just think it'll be kind of like what it was last week for – you know, the NFC Championship, I right. think it'll be more like that. Just because the Rams, they're not as explosive as the Chiefs. You know, they could still go down the field, but the Chiefs, you know, really score fast. So I think that it'll be probably more in the high 20s. All right, so in the high 20s, something like that. I could see this game being something like 30-27, 33-30. And again, um, both of these teams, offensive built. It's an offensive league now. Let's see. I don't you know. I mean, it's not going to be... 10-7 in the Super Bowl. That would be uh, a shocker of shockers, although they did play one against the Giants. With a, remember, they had the highest scoring offense ever and a perfect regular season and two playoff wins, uh, uh, New England did, and then only 14 points, uh, as it turns out, in the uh, in the championship game, in the Super Bowl game against uh, the Giants and their defense with Michael Strahan and company that shut them down. 
I don't think this will be a low-scoring game, so let's see how it plays out. You will take the Rams as the underdog. I will stay away from it. I like New England ultimately to win this game. We'll find out who wins in Super Bowl 53. We know they're going to be over 100 million people watching. It's it's amazing how many people watch. There's going to be a lot of interest, a lot of intrigue. All right, Kevin, stand by. Thanks for the Super Bowl conversation. College basketball conversation is coming up. As we continue along here on the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs, it is Three Dog Thursday. We'll be back. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by Paradise Golf. Go to paradise-golf.com slash football. Find out more about how you can save half off up to a $55 value off the Winter Paradise card. If you're coming to West Central Florida to golf, if you're a snowbird, this card basically pays for itself within two times of you playing. Go to paradise-golf.com slash football. Sign up and save with Paradise Golf. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. We are back in once more with senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com, Kevin Rogers. I am uh, your somewhat capable host. Again, we'll recap what we did with the prop bets and the Super Bowl stuff here in a couple moments. Let's turn our attention to college basketball for a few moments here as, again, after the Super Bowl is played, we become college basketball exclusive all the way through March and the NCAA tournament and the Final Four. So, Kevin Rogers, uh, interesting last week that that Kansas-Kentucky uh, game, Kentucky looking very impressive, obviously, in that one. Uh, we saw midweek Virginia, which uh, appears to be one of the top teams. They escaped with an overtime win against NC State. Tennessee, still the number one team in the country. We mentioned they flexed their muscle uh, on Tuesday night. They beat up on South Carolina. So uh, things still taking shape uh, right now, but the top teams still look pretty good. I know Michigan State suffered their first Big Ten loss on Sunday to Purdue. Um, Michigan, meanwhile, won at Indiana, beat Ohio State at home. That's one of the top ten teams in the country. So college basketball in full swing here, but some of these teams have begun to set themselves apart like a Duke or a Virginia or a Tennessee or a Gonzaga at this stage of the season, right? Yeah, I think we're seeing you know some of these teams that will probably be going to the Final Four or the Elite Eight and what exactly they, uh, they're capable of. You know, I think that you know, teams like you know, Duke and Michigan and Kentucky and Virginia, you know, among them Michigan State too, even though they lost to Purdue last week, that those are teams that have a shot to really go far. And I really don't think that you, you're going to see many surprises. I don't think you're going to have that team from a mid-major that's going to make that run. I just don't think that could be the case this year. Probably have all the big boys in the Final Four this year. Well, we'll see. I mean, again, it was Illinois-Chicago coming out of nowhere basically last year, and we know in previous years uh, programs like Wichita State, Virginia Commonwealth that have been able to make the run. Uh, let's see if somebody can emerge. And so much of this, too, you mentioned Calipari earlier in the show, but whether you're talking about Coach K, um, you know, whether you're talking about Izzo at Michigan State, Bill Self will have that Kansas team ready to go. I know they suffered a tough loss to Texas uh, and there are a lot of people going, what's going on with Kansas? He'll have them ready to go at the end of the year out of the Big 12. The Coaching matters, Kevin. Quick comment. The veteran coaches, the ones that have been to the Final Four consistently, that have won national championships, this is when their teams generally start to emerge and they become great teams. Yeah, I mean, you would think so. But, I mean, uh, again, you know, last year we saw UMBC knock out Virginia. Right. You know, and Virginia is well coached. I mean, it's just – 
I don't know. It just comes down to the tournament's all, all random. You know, it all depends on the matchups you get. That if Virginia would have faced someone else that wasn't UMBC, maybe they, they advance. You know, UMBC faces someone else, they would pull off that upset. It's just, uh, that's what it is. You just get that to these matchups. That's what makes the tournament so special. It will be. All right, coming to March. All right, so as we mentioned, as we talk a little college basketball, Kevin hit with the UAB Blazers last week out of Conference USA. I hit a Pac-12 Thursday night underdog with Arizona State against UCLA. I did not uh, hit Kansas. You and I are actually going to go one underdog each, and here is part of Three Dog Thursday. They will both be Thursday night underdogs. Where do you want to go and why, sir? I'm going to stick with Conference USA this week. I'm going to go with the Owls of FAU. They're facing Louisiana Tech at home, and it, it, this is very simple, actually, because Louisiana Tech is a terrible road team. They're 0-4 in Conference USA this year on the road. They're 1-12 since last year in conference play away from Ruston. The only win actually came against FAU, coincidentally. But FAU's 5-2 and two ATS for last seven as an underdog. They're coming off a win over FIU, and that's my son in the background, so just let you know. But, uh, <laughs> but besides that, though, I just think that this is more of a fate of Louisiana Tech than really backing FAU, but uh, it's, just hard to, it's just hard to back Louisiana Tech uh, on the road, much less of a favorite. You can grab your son right now while I talk for a moment, so he's sad about how Louisiana Tech's been bad on the road. So you're going back to Conference USA. I like that uh, right now with some of the non-Power 6, if you will, that includes the Big East in that fold. And I'm going to do the same thing. You always joke with me. This is the first time this year, uh, calendar year and figurative year in college basketball, that I'm going to go with an American Conference team, Kevin Rogers. Let me go Thursday night. Uh, in Houston, Texas, I know that uh, uh, Kelvin Sampson's Houston team is one of the top teams in the American Conference. They are probably an at-large team uh, coming out of that league. They've been in the top 20 uh, this season. They are laying 10 points on Thursday night against the Temple Owls, a team that has won some games away from home uh, so far this season, a couple of them, even in conference play, Temple also recently with a win over my alma mater, Memphis. That's not the only reason why I would be taking them. But I, I like uh, Temple at 15-5. and five. This is Fran Dumphy's farewell year. Uh, they have a win at Wichita State. They have a win at Drexel. Uh, they have a win at East Carolina. So Temple's gone on the road and won some games. I think they'll keep it close with Houston here uh, in this one. They played Cincinnati tough in their last game at home, only lost 72-68 to Cincinnati. I'll go Temple Owls Thursday night in the Lone Star State against the Houston Cougars uh, there for Three Dog Thursday purposes and take the 10 points um, in that matchup. All right, so there are the games. I mentioned Duke and St. John's are playing on Saturday. A couple of other uh, interesting games uh, of note. Kentucky is at Florida. We'll see if Florida can bounce back. They've taken a couple of losses. Will Kentucky continue to roll um, in that one? North Carolina rematching Louisville, Kevin, on Saturday afternoon after Louisville blew them out a couple of weeks ago in the Dean Dome. Roy Williams' worst home loss at North Carolina suffered a couple of weeks ago. Rematch coming in that game. Texas Tech and Kansas uh, playing Saturday. Tennessee, the number one team in the country at Texas A&M. So it's going to be fascinating to watch all the college basketball unfold. Uh, and we'll keep an eye on those Saturday games uh, for sure. And as always, uh, here's the plug for Vegas Insider if they want to keep up with the college hoops, if they want to keep up with everything that's going on in the world of sports, including all the Super Bowl preview stuff, they can find it at VegasInsider.com, correct? Yeah, this is the final game. This is it. 
uh, after Sunday, and we have all of our content pretty much up. Advantage Patriots, Advantage Rams, Advantage Over, Advantage Under, and uh, other pieces, you know, about which props to bet. There's so many props to look at, you know, for the game, <laughs> the cross-sport props. It's just, it's 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 mind-boggling, you know, mind-blowing. Hey, hey, wait a minute. They have, they have the prop out that Gladys Knight singing the national anthem is going to be under or over a minute 47. I always side with these artists, these musicians, milking it. I think she's definitely going over a minute 47. Is Gladys Knight going over on that prop bet? What do you think? <sighs> Who knows? I mean, <laughs> I think that. I think the coin toss. I think all that stuff. Uh, I think it really is. You know, yep. I think it's all. I think it's all ridiculous. Um, but uh, you know, once we get through Sunday, then it's all pretty much basketball for the next few months. You know, NBA continues with the trade deadline, and we have uh, March Madness coming up in you know in about a month or so. So really, it's it's all basketball. Baseball is going to start up soon. I'm not sure if the season will start unless these guys get signed. You know, you still have all these free agents out there. But, uh, yeah, we take a break from football for a while. So uh, it's going to be basketball moving forward, and it should be uh, pretty fun. But check us out on VegasInsider.com and also on Twitter. It's with VI. Follow this man as well, at VI Rogers. Again, we'll go over it, that uh, Kevin ends up taking the Rams as the underdog. He also has the prop bet of James Harden's free throws, free throws made for James Harden versus the Rams' point total uh, here in this one in the first half of the game. Not the whole game, but his point total, uh, the Rams' point total against Harden's free throw total. Uh, I took the two prop bets that I'll take Tom Brady's completions over Zion Williamson of Duke's points and rebounds in the St. John's game Saturday. I like Brady to have a lot of completions. And give me Brooks Kepka in the golf with more birdies than Brandon Cooks with receptions for the Rams in that, uh, in that prop bet. And then we go to the basketball Thursday night. Again, you may be listening to us after Thursday night and know how smart we were or not. Kevin goes with Florida Atlantic, FAU, to cover at home with Louisiana Tech. In college hoops, getting three points at home. I'll go Temple as a road dog, double figures, getting 10 at Houston for my college basketball underdog. Kevin, we appreciate it as always. Thank you for hanging out with me. Enjoy uh, the whole weekend, including Super Bowl 53. I know you're ready for it to get here in the game to get going. Let's hope we get a great game out of it. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. There is Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Subscribe to our show, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We thank you for finding us as part of RadioInfluence.com as well. It's the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. Enjoy the Super Bowl. The Rams as the dog against the Patriots. The underdog has won the game outright five of the last seven years. Let's see if it continues for Sunday. Thank you for being with us on Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is a We've Seen That Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Varsity Blues from Paramount Pictures. It was released January 15th, 1999. At the time we are recording this, it literally just turned 20 years old. So that was one of the uh, reasons we decided to go with this. It grossed $52.8 million at the box office. When it opened, it was number one at $15 million. And are you a fan of this movie? I am. Uh, I'm glad that we're doing this. I can honestly say to you that... Uh, I quote this movie, a couple of different parts of this movie, uh, a lot, although I haven't seen it a bunch. It just has some famous lines and it, it has a plot. But again, it rings true for a lot of reasons because uh, of the the pressure, the interest, the love of Texas high school football. Yeah, it's one of those where. It's, it's kind of like, you know, we, uh, one of the other movies we're going to talk about today is Friday Night Lights. 
And this is kind of like the MTV version of Friday Night Lights, if you will. <laughs> it was actually from MTV Films through Paramount Pictures. So um, one thing that we do a lot of times when we do these is we talk about the adjusted for ticket price. We just yeah. mentioned this movie is 20 years old. In today's dollars, it made $94 million. So that's not bad. Its, its budget was only $16 million. So this is actually a hit. It might not be one of these you know, Jerry Bruckheimer type hits or whatever that, you know, gross us near a billion dollars or in these uh, comic book movies we have today. But it definitely, it, it made its money back and then some, especially when you factor in, you know, you watch the movie, there's not a lot of high tech special effects. This is a football movie. We've seen that with TJ Reeves and Jay Betzel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play and RadioInfluence.com.